it would be understandable if the Bible said none of our good works are good enough to make us deserve heaven. I mean, we could picture God saying something like that, right? We could picture him saying, I appreciate the effort, you've done some good things here, but they aren't quite good enough. That would make sense. But it isn't what the Bible says. What it really says is that every good deed we ever do to earn favor with God is disgusting and filthy and detestable to God. The more good deeds you do to be right with him, the more it alienates you from him. Why is that? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Philippians chapter 3, in verse 8, Paul makes a very provocative statement, a revolutionary statement. He says this, I consider them filth. I consider them filth. What do you consider filth, Paul? What? If you look back in the context, is the beginning of verse 7, whatever was to my profit. Okay? That's what he's talking about. He's considering filth. Whatever used to be to his profit. Well, what used to be to your profit, Paul? All this. Verses 5 to 5 and 6. All this list, his whole credential, all his resume of religious achievement that he was counting on and banking on to get him to heaven, to make him a good person. And it's all summed up, especially in this last part right here, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Faultless. Back then, if you would have walked up to Paul and said, hey, hey, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? He would say, absolutely. And you say, why? How do you know for sure? And he would, he would point to that list. He'd point to that list. He was an impeccable Jew, unsurpassed in his generation when it came to following all the rules in the Old Testament. That was his confidence. That's what he was banking on. That's what he considered to be in his profit column, in his ledger. And that's what he was counting on to make him acceptable before God. And, and then one day, something happened that changed that. And he, was, he found out that all of his law-keeping, was uh, the stuff that was over in his profit column, was all actually disgusting, smelly, rotting, decomposing filth. That's what he discovered in Acts chapter 9. That's why I told you last week that, that if you're trying to be a good person or you're trying to gain acceptance in God's sight by doing your best to obey all the commands in the Bible um, and to live up to the moral standard of God's law, uh, if you're doing that, then every good work you ever do drives you further away from God, makes you less acceptable in his sight than you were to begin with. Every time you tell the truth, every time you read your Bible, every time you pray, every time you try to help someone out, uh, every time you go to church, every time you're doing all that, you're driving yourself further and further and further away from God, uh, and you're making your life a steaming pile of filth in his sight. That's the message here. Or to put it another way, imagine you're in God's courtroom on Judgment Day. And you're presenting your case as to why you should be able to, be, to go to heaven. You should be admitted into heaven. And so you, you, you list out all the good stuff that you've done in your life, all the good works and everything. You list it out. And you're presenting your case. Um, and and uh, 
And now you, you're done, you've made your case, you take all your evidence, you put it in your folder, you, you uh, uh, set it on the desk, and then the prosecutor, now it's his turn to make his case against you, um, why you should be condemned, and he just walks over to your desk and he says, excuse me, can I borrow that folder? And he takes the folder and he, he walks it up to the judge, hands it to the judge, and, uh, and he says, there's my case. And the judge opens up the folder and he looks at it and he comes down, the, 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 the gavel comes down in favor of the prosecution and you are condemned to hell. That's what Paul means by loss. It's not just that the judge looks at all your good deeds and throws them out as inadmissible. It's not just that he looks at all your good deeds and says, well, this is good, but it's not enough. I, desire a higher, I, I require a higher standard than just this. It's not that. It's not that, they're, that, they don't, that they bring you to zero. They're negative. They're lost. They put you into debt to God, farther into debt than you already were. It's evidence against you. Okay? So that's where we left off last time. Let's pick it up today by asking the question, why? Why is that the case? I mean, if you've been around church a while, you know that that's the case. But why? What is it that makes our best efforts so repugnant and offensive to God? Let me tell you a little parable. Imagine you were a guide taking tours up Mount Everest. You're taking customers up Mount Everest. And, and your son works with you. He's old enough now to where he's uh, climbed a number of times. And he's now one of the guides working with you. And and so you're, one time you're taking a trip and you've got all these customers. And one of, the, one of the customers, you can tell, he's trouble right from the beginning. He's not listening. He's egotistical, know-it-all type. He won't listen to instruction. Uh, he, he breaks the rules. And sure enough, uh, you're worried about this guy. Sure enough, once you get on the mountain, he's, uh, he's, he's nothing but trouble. In fact, one time, one night, they discover he's not in his tent. And, uh, and they alert you. You go, you look. On his, uh, in his tent, there, on his sleeping bag, there's just an empty flask which, you know, there were strict rules about alcohol, but he snuck them in anyway, ignoring the warnings that you gave him about you can't drink at that altitude. Um, so now your son and you uh, go off and try to find him. You do find him. He's passed out on a sheet of ice, a steep sheet of ice, and, and your son tries to get to him and slips and slides down and falls uh, and is now dangling off the edge of a 300-foot drop. And, and at this point, you have a choice to make because you know you can only rescue one of them. And your son calls up to you from the rope and says, Dad, rescue him. You know I'm going to heaven when I die. I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm okay. That guy's not ready to die. He doesn't know Christ. If he dies, he'll be lost for eternity. Rescue him and leave me. And so with tears streaming down your face, you do the hardest thing you've ever done. You leave your son. You rescue this drunk fool and leave your son there to either freeze to death or fall to his death. So the next morning, this guy sobers up and, and you tell him what happened. And he apologizes, sort of, but he's just so lackadaisical about it. He doesn't take it... I mean, he, you're, you're on the trip back down the mountain, you, he notices you're kind of quiet, and so he comes up alongside you and slaps you on the back. Says, Come on, man, cheer up. I'll, I'll make it up to you. And you tell him, look, I'm willing to forgive you. If you and, and he interrupts, forgive me. What do you mean, forgive me? I don't need your forgiveness. I'm not a bad guy. I can make up for this. I can make this right. 
You just watch. So when you get home, next thing you know, this guy starts doing you all these little favors. Like he's, he's bringing you a cup of coffee, you know, or he gives you these little trinkets as gifts. And, he's just, and every time he does that, it just fills you with anger. Because he doesn't want your forgiveness because he thinks he can make things right on his own just by doing you all these little favors. And, and, and it's as if the value of your son's life is somewhere near the value of a cup of coffee. One day you hear noise outside in your house. You look out there, and there's this guy mowing your yard. And it's just like, again, it just fills you with anger. But you're trying to show mercy, and so instead of going out there and like showing him the business end of that mower, you, you, you restrain yourself, and you just, you just smile and wave. But he doesn't smile back. He, instead, he just yells at you. I hope you're happy. I could have been golfing today. Now I'm over here mowing your dumb yard. It's like, you don't have to mow my yard. Oh, I'll mow it. I just want you to remember this. In fact, when he's done, he takes a picture of what he's done. He's so proud of what he's done. And he does that every time. He's documenting all these favors every time. Like he'll bring your newspaper to your door and hand it to you. And he's got his wife videoing the whole thing. All right, so imagine this guy uh, is on trial for being a jerk. He's, like being, he's being charged with the crime of being a really horrible person. And he pleads innocent. He says, I'm not a horrible person. I, I'm a really good person, and here's my proof. And he presents all this documentation, these photographs and videos, all these favors he did for you. He's like, that's my proof. I'm a good person. And you just go over, when it's your turn, you just borrow the folder hand it to the judge and say, here's my proof. This guy's a horrible person. And the judge says, you're right. That's all the proof I need. Why is legalism so offensive to God? When we think that we can make up for our sin against God by doing a bunch of good works and religious activities, we're living in denial of the severity of the crimes that we've committed and how big our sin problem before God really is. And in doing so, we're demeaning the sacrificial death of God's Son. My sin against God was so severe that the only remedy in the universe was the death of the Son of God. That's how bad it was. The only remedy was his, it was an infinite price. I'm like that guy on the mountain. I'm like that drunk guy on the mountain. My sin cost the life of God's Son in order to save me. I was guilty of cosmic treason against the Creator of the universe. Not once, not five times, thousands and thousands of times in my life with full knowledge of what I was doing most of the time. And, and after all that, I'm going to go to God and say, oh, don't worry, God, a few good deeds, and uh, we're going to be even Stephen. I appreciate you sending your son to die and all, but uh, honestly, God, it wasn't necessary because I didn't need that severe. All I need, a few self-help books, maybe a little behavioral therapy, I'm golden. Nothing as drastic as the infinite cost of a violent, bloody death of the Son of God on the cross. 
Can you see why trying to get right with God by living a good life and doing good deeds is rotting, stinking filth in God's sight? Why it would make him mad? So Paul sees that. He sees all his past efforts and all his religious resume. It's all lost now. It's all lost. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.